bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's word. Talking about boldness, boldness, and today we're continuing from where I left off. And uh, God wants us not to be cowards, but to be bold in whatever we do. So we continue this week. Turn with me to Psalm 138. Psalm 138, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3. Psalm 138, verses 1 to 3. And this is from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. And verse 3, that is what I'm focusing on. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. The New International Version of verse uh, 30, verse 3 says, When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. You made me bold and stout-hearted. When we pray, God hears. And there are three things that I uh, just want to bring to your notice about uh, this verse, particularly the verse 3. Number one is that God is the source of our boldness. Our boldness originates from God. He is the originator. He is the one who makes us bold. It's not just ourselves. It's not confidence in our flesh, in our abilities, but in the Lord. Secondly, when we lack boldness and we ask God for boldness, he will make us bold. He says, I, in, the, in the day when I cried out, you answered me. When you cry to God and say, Lord, help me to be bold in this situation. I am afraid. I feel threatened. I am, I am discouraged. My heart is failing me. I don't know how to face this individual or this situation. I am intimidated. And you say, Lord, help me. The Bible assures us that God will make us bold. He's able to make us bold. So if we ask him, he will. Thirdly, God makes us bold by strengthening us within. Boldness is not physical. The psalmist says, you made me bold with strength in my soul. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Your boldness is not going to be in your flesh. 
Your gold boldness is not going to be in your achievements. Your boldness is not going to be in your education. Your boldness is not going to be in your family heritage. Your boldness is going to be within, in your strength. True boldness is not physical. It's not even social. True boldness is spiritual. So God is the source of our boldness. When we pray to him for boldness, he will make us bold. And when we make, he makes us bold, we will not necessarily feel it physically. So you, you, can, you, you may not feel that you're bold after you've prayed for it because you, you don't feel goosebumps on your skin. You may not feel something jump on top of you or something jump around you. You may not feel your face becoming very hard and, and strong. But inside your heart, in your soul, God strengthens you. So God's boldness is not going to be seen on your face necessarily. It's going to be seen in your heart. It's from within. True boldness is from within. If true boldness is from God and is from within, then what does false boldness look like? What does false boldness look like? Now go to Proverbs chapter 21 verse 29 and it gives us the picture of how false boldness looks like. In our effort to be, to be bold, sometimes we try so hard and uh, our boldness doesn't become that which pleases God. It's just our own effort to try to be bold. And this is from the English Standard Version. And it says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 29, A wicked man puts on a bold face, but the upright gives thought to his ways. A wicked man puts on a bold face a wicked man puts on a bold face but the upright man gives thought to his ways the new king james version of the same verse says a wicked man hardens his face but as for the upright he establishes his way the wicked man hardens his face. So, for some people, boldness is a hard face. It's hardening your face. So, what are the characteristics of uh, false boldness? What is boldness not? Boldness is not pretending to be strong. When we talk about boldness, we're not talking about pretending to be strong. It's not a pretense. It's not a game. It is not putting on a show. It is not trying to impress people with how strong you are. So, the first thing you have to understand is that it's not a game. It's not a show. It's not showmanship. It's not trying to impress people. True boldness must be real, not a pretense. Secondly, boldness is not Boasting and being loud or being loud mouth or being showy. Boldness in, is not seen in how much you can brag. It's not how tough you can talk. There are people who can talk the talk but can't walk the walk. They talk big. They talk about what they can do 
And then when they're faced with the reality, they turn around. Have you ever met somebody who talked about how he was going to face somebody very strongly and I'll, I'll tell him my peace of mind and I'll let him know I don't like that and, and, and impress us about his tough talk. And then he met the same person and became apologetic. <laughs> Have you done that yourself? Boldness is not in bragging. It's not in how tough you can talk. There are people who talk so tough we see them in our offices. They criticize, they talk tough, and we think they are very bold and courageous until they meet the boss. And all of a sudden, their language changes and they cannot really live what they talk about. They're putting on a show. And there are also those who just talk rough and think that is boldness. So boldness, number three, is not acting without thought or wisdom. Boldness is not foolishness. Boldness requires a sense of direction and perspective. It requires taking risks, but taking calculated risks. Boldness is not just acting on the spare of the moment it's not just being spontaneous it's not just saying i don't care what will happen and acting without thinking and consideration if you're bold you must act but with wisdom if you're taking a risk it must be a calculated risk you should have thought through the consequences you should have thought through the situation so boldness is not just a matter of just you know, just stepping out and doing something. You remember the story of when uh, Peter was in the boat and uh, he saw Jesus walking on water. And he wanted to walk on water. But look at what Peter did. Peter did not say, wow, if Jesus can do it, I can do it. And just jump out of the boat and walk on water. He was going to take a risk. But before he took the risk, he said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And he waited for Jesus to say, come, before he took the risk. It was a risk, but it was based on information. It was not a risk that was based on nothing. He had information. He had something to work with. It was still going to be difficult, but he had something to work with. And he took the risk. Abraham took a risk when he left his land, his father's land, to go to a land he didn't know. But that risk was based on the word of God. It was based on information. Boldness is not just acting. And sometimes we see people taking decisions which they haven't fully thought through. And when you ask them why they're doing it, they say, I'm being bold. Righteous are bold as a, uh, the righteous are as bold as a lion. But the lion doesn't just rush to devour its enemy. It takes time to study the prey. Sometimes 12 hours studying before it jumps. So boldness must be intelligent. You must think through. 
And especially, let me just drop in a word here, and uh, you may not like me for saying that, but I'll say it anyway. To the husbands, husbands particularly, when you are making decisions on behalf of your family, think. Don't just get up and say, I'm, I'm being bold. And so you get up and take all your family's investment to go and give it to somebody who says you will double your money within a short time. And your wife says, hey, let's, let's think, you know, let's plan. Say, hey, you are a woman. This is for men. This is for courageous people. You know how that story always ends. It doesn't end good. So if you're going to be bold, it must be based on information, and that information must be solid information. In Peter's case, it was information from Jesus. In Abraham's case, it's information from God. On what basis are you taking that risk? So it's not just acting without thought or wisdom. Fourthly, boldness is not bullying and threatening other people. Boldness is not just being rough and rude and inconsiderate. Boldness is not threatening people with fire and brimstone and talking down on people and riding roughshod over people. Because sometimes we see people who are like that and they, don't, they are not considerate of people's opinion and people's feelings and, and, and they hurt people and walk over people and, 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 and they go on. And we say, oh, they are bold. Yeah, but probably they are. But boldness does not have to be rough. Boldness can be considerate and should be considerate. It should not threaten other people. It should be based on solid information. It should not just be based on bragging and boasting and talking loud. And it is definitely not a pretense. So, as believers, we are called to be bold. The righteous are bold as a lion. But we must know the difference between true boldness and false boldness. So we don't go out of here and, and, and acting in ways that are inconsiderate and calling it boldness. Or acting in ways that have not been well thought through and calling it boldness. If it's going to be bold, it must be based on real information turn with me to hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 and 36 and it tells us about what the attitude of the child of god should be as we confront the world as we face challenges in the world as we face difficulties in the world what should be our attitude how should we deal with all the different things that come our way it says in hebrews 10 35 to 39 therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward don't cast away your confidence because it has great reward verse 36 for you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry 
Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I want you to note verse 39 carefully. It says, but we are not, note that, we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Say with me, we are not of those who draw back to perdition. Now the word perdition means destruction. We are not of those who draw back into destruction. We don't just stand back and waiting to be destroyed. We don't start believing God for something and then we, out of fear, draw back to be destroyed. When the destroyer faces you, you don't draw back. You come against him. Children of God are commanded to be bold. We are called to be bold. We are encouraged to be bold. It is imperative that we be bold. Because if we don't, our end will not be good. And I just want to encourage you, when the enemy comes against you, don't draw back. When you see the armies of thousands gathered against you, don't draw back. Because we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. If you are hard-pressed on every side, don't draw back. We are forward movers as children of God. I believe King David summarizes the attitude of the righteous in Psalm 27 verse 1 to 5. And he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What he's really saying is, show me somebody I need to be afraid of. Show me somebody I need to fear. Why don't you look around and say, show me somebody to be afraid of. Oh, say it. There is no one you can be afraid of. And then he goes on to verse 2. He says, when the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an enemy, an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. That is our testimony. We are not of those who draw back unto perdition. Life will throw a lot of stuff at you. Things will come against you spiritually, materially, physically. Armies may rise against you, but we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. Our heritage as children of God is boldness, but our boldness is not in our flesh. It's not in our education. It's not in our money. It's not in whom we know. 
physically. It is in whom we know spiritually our God, his word, his promise. And when you know the Lord, you are as bold as a lion. So what do we do as Christians when we are threatened, when we are faced with people who are bigger than us? Do we just keep quiet? Do we face them? Do we ignore the threat? Do we fight, our, uh, fight by ourselves? I want us to look at a story that happened in the first uh, miracle that happened to the church, uh, the early church in the book of Acts. Now, as you know, Jesus died, rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven, told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem, you shall receive power. And they waited. In Acts chapter 2, they received the power. In chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple, and they saw a cripple lying down uh, at the gate called Beautiful. The man is over 40 years old, and, uh, and the man is asking for money, and for some reason, Peter and John uh, uh, give him the name of Jesus, and this cripple walks. So this is big in Jerusalem for the disciples. It's a confirmation that Jesus is alive. But for the Jewish rulers at that time, it's also a confirmation. Jesus is not just alive, but he's an alive in hundreds of people. And if one man could cause so much damage, what are we up to if all his disciples are going to go around doing what Jesus did? So they arrested Peter and John. And they tried to... Uh, stop them, they threatened them. Look, look at the account in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We'll read selected verses from Acts chapter 4. We'll look at verse 23, verse 24, and then we'll look at verse 29 to 31. After they had threatened them, they told them not to preach again. The Bible says, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. I want you to note that carefully, verse 23. Being let go, they went to their own companions. One thing I have desired, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord and seek his face. They went to their own companions, verse 24. So when they heard that, that is the companions heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And they prayed and interceded, quoted scripture. Now go to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is probably the most critical time in the history of the Christian church. This incident. Because Jesus is gone to heaven. He's not physically present with the disciples. They are left alone to go into the world and preach the gospel. For, ye, for days after Jesus left, they were hiding in the upper room, praying, 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 and holding elections and praying. And then the Holy Spirit comes. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes, people accuse them they are drunk. They quote scripture. And the people somehow believe and, and, and so many people are born again. So that's quite a good news and easy an easy breakthrough, the first excursion of the church outside the upper room, and so many people get saved. But then, a cripple gets healed, and they are threatened by the rulers, the chief priests, not to preach again in the name of Jesus. If they listen to that threat, that will be the end of the church and Christianity. That's the end. The force that is coming against them is not just public opinion. This is the authority of the land saying, stop preaching. And if you do, we will wipe you out. And these people, Peter leading them who just denied Jesus, has to make a choice. Am I going to go back or go forward? Am I going to draw back to perdition? Or I'm going to take this message and move on with it? They didn't know what to do. They told the chief priest, well, we think we must obey God rather than men. And they left and they were threatened. So what did they do? I want you to look at what they did. The first thing they did is that they went to their own companions. The Bible says they went to their own companions. They went to the church. The church is not a building, it's the companions, it's the community of the saints, the believers, people who are born again, the people who know their God. When you are threatened, where do you go to? Whom do you talk to? Whom do you share your fears with? Whom do you go and talk to about the thing that is trying to wipe you out? You can decide to keep it to yourself, but that will do you no good. Because normally when you get threatened, the word that you fear begins to grow and grow and grow. And over time, it will knock you out. So you must talk to somebody. But whom you talk to is very critical. The Bible says they went to their own companions. Do you have people of faith you can talk to when you are threatened? Whom do you talk to? Are they your own companions? And those companions, did they know God? Did they know his power? They went to the church. They, they talked to the people who knew their God. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook, follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill, email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.